You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Tuesday and welcome to Locked On Seminoles. Hopefully by now you've had some time to process what we all saw on Saturday. You've listened to our Monday episode and other episodes, and that's, that's helped you come to terms with the fact that the Florida State Seminoles lost to the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. It's something we thought might happen in 2009, something we thought might happen last year. We were able to bail ourselves out, and this time we weren't able to survive it. So today we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what was really bad. We're going to talk about what was good because there was – there was a decent bit of good to be taken from this game. And then we're going to start looking ahead to next week. The depth chart dropped today as I'm recording this on Monday, yesterday as you're listening to this, and I'll give my thoughts on that. I'm your host, Max, and today it's just going to be me rocking and rolling with you. Drake and Dave are off doing other things, but y'all know us. We are three Florida State fans that even in the absolute worst of times, we love Florida State. We love talking. And every day we talk about Florida State, five days a week, we are here bringing you the fan perspective, which this week is not uh, not the most fun thing to record, not the most fun thing to talk about, but the planet keeps spinning, the world keeps turning, and Florida State still has a football team, so we're going to talk about it. Let's dive into the bad. I know we could start positive, but I'm sure y'all are just as frustrated as I am, and you don't want to just start with the Pollyanna rose-colored glasses. So let's get into it. There was there was a lot of bad to take away from this game. I mean, we said yesterday most of it was on the coaches. So I'm not going to sit here and just call out players one by one, say, this guy was bad, this guy did this. I'm talking more in the, in the grand scheme of things. And starting with defense, our coverage has just got to get better. I mean, there, there really is no way – around it you look at our coverage numbers on like a pff or you just look at the game with your naked eye we were really bad in those long down distance and we'd get these guys on third down and we'd let them convert 50 percent of the time and it just it felt like every time there should be just an easy stop we took our foot off and we just let them convert or on the last play of the game let them score and i think that's probably more of a culture more of a effort thing I think they just thought, hey, we're up by 10, four minutes left. It's Jacksonville State. Well, if that's the case, go prove that it's Jacksonville State and you're Florida State and shut them down for four minutes. But more specifically, three of our lowest pass defending defenders, I guess, our lowest graded pass defenders are Miko Dotson, Jarian Jones, and Jarvis Brownlee. Now, fortunately, Dotson and Jones, they played a combined uh 27 snaps. I, I have no way of telling how much they overlap those. Like I said about Dotson in our preseason preview, he's more of a run defender. 14 of his 25 snaps were rush defense. He got a 64.6, which again, in PFF, like an 80 is really, really good. So a 64, that's still a green. Um, he did well in what he was asked to do. The problem is when you put him in coverage, he just isn't, isn't great at that. I mean, he allows a high passer rating against him. Um, he allowed, let's see, 35 receiving yards against him, and both times he was targeted, the guy made the catch. Jarian Jones, kind of the exact opposite. He was used 16 of his 22 snaps in coverage, and he just didn't perform. Maybe he had a rough day. 
I don't know, like I said, we're not ripping individual kids, but then I go to Brownlee and Brownlee had 48 snaps in coverage. He scored a 59 and it's like, all right, so you got those three guys. They clearly just aren't working that day. They're getting picked on. You've got to figure something out. And we didn't, we didn't make the personnel moves to give you, by the way, some context of what those numbers mean. Fabian Lovett and Kier Thomas both had higher passing coverage grades than Dotson Jones and Brownlee. Again, I don't really, it doesn't bother me that much because I don't expect it really from Dotson, but I do expect it from Jones and I do expect it from Brownlee. And then you look at, again, this a lot comes down to personnel decisions on the field. That last play should never have happened. We can sit here till we're blue in the face and agree with each other that calling a cover one robber scheme against what's going to be a Hail Mary is a horrible decision. I mean, that is on the coaching staff because Norvell can give his little answer about, well, you know, I wanted to make sure they didn't have time for a field goal. Okay. Well, they're 65 yards from the end zone, which means they're 35 yards from a 47 yard field goal, which a lot of FCS kickers aren't going to make fine play for 35 yards. Cause that's basically where the guy caught the ball and there was no one back there to tackle him except for one safety trying to get there. That takes a bad angle who, by the way, I think Sidney Williams actually had a pretty decent game, but he's a thumper. He's not a guy that's going to play center field. So why is he back there? Why don't you have a keen dent back there? If you're going to go with that look. So not only was it a bad call, you had the wrong personnel back there. I mean, I look at some of our, some of our high coverage grades and you've got Renardo green grading at 72.1. Why wasn't he back there? Travis J. Why wasn't he up in the guy's face? He was our fifth highest pass pass defender, a keen dent right below him. Instead, we've got out on an Island by himself, a safety who's supposed to be more of a run stopper, more of a hard hitter. It just was a baffling decision. Let's look at the offense for a minute or two. I mean, you know, the gosh, just the play calling made no sense. I'm trying not to conflate the good and the bad because I want to like cheer us up with the good. But Lawrence Toffoli ran the ball 10 times. He averaged 2.2 yards a carry. If this were another team where he was your only running back, I might criticize Lawrence Toffoli. Problem is he's not. You have Jay Sean Corbin and Trayshawn Ward, who both just last week against the top 10 team proved to be capable runners who during this game both proved to be capable runners. Corbin was averaging 7.3 yards a carry on 15 attempts, 109 yards in a touchdown. Treshawn Ward only got eight attempts, still averaging 5.6 yards a carry. And yet you're feeding to a Philly 10 times. The whole point of a three running back system is when one guy's cold, get him off the field, especially, especially when it's your smallest guy. What I mean by that is, you know, back when it was Carlos Williams, you need the big guy, keep feeding him to at least get the body blows. At least he's not fun to tackle and you're hitting that linebacker and you're making it worse for them. If he only gets one or two yards, there's still a a somewhat positive effect. That doesn't happen with Toa Philly. You're just giving them an easy stop. They stop him at 2.2 yards and now we've got a long second down. I don't understand that decision. Same with receivers. I'm going to get to this more when I talk about my thoughts on the depth chart for next week in our third segment, but I think there were a lot of decisions made that could have been made differently. Andrew Parchment, he was your most targeted receiver. His reception percentage was 42.9%. One of those sailed over his head. Some of those were contested, but nonetheless, you can't be catching 42.9% of your targets. Second most targeted was Cam McDonald. Same thing, 50%. Like to see that a little more. McLean, 
40%, but it's good to see the big body targeted a little more. And one of those was just a ball that never should have been thrown on a fourth down in the end zone. And Darian Williamson, great game. Three of three. I'll talk about him later, 32 yards. But the larger issue is, and Drake said this yesterday, this team has no business throwing the ball 31 times. It just doesn't. KZ's a gamer. I'll give you guys that. I'm not going to have the KZ Jordan Travis debate. I'll save that for my co-hosts. But when you're running with the kind of success that this team's running with, when you're averaging as a team 5.6 yards per carry with Toa Philly at 2.2, bringing that average way down, and you're still averaging that, why are you throwing the ball 31 times? Just run it 50 times. We could have played this game like a 1950s football game, and we probably would have won it 21 to zero. Just no forward pass. And finally, before I move on to the good, no more wildcat, please, Norvell, I'm begging you. Use it when it works. Like, use it once or twice, maybe break it out, see what happens. But you have Jordan Travis. Wrap your minds around this for a second, folks. You have Jordan Travis, and you have Lawrence Toefili. And our coaching staff chose to take a wildcat snap with Lawrence Toefili. Him and Jordan Travis are basically the same back. Maybe Toefili's top end's a little higher, but they're about the same size. I think Travis might be a little heavier. They're both dynamic runners, and I think Travis has better ball carrier vision from the backfield. Why in the hell would you snap a ball to Lawrence Toefili directly when you have Jordan Travis on your sideline? It makes no sense. It's baffling, but I'm over it. I'm over it. We're done with the bad from last week. We are looking ahead, and if you're looking ahead to the weekend, you should download prize picks. Look, we all do daily fantasy. It's a fun way to play fantasy. It's quicker. It's, you know, you get to just see, hey, let's draft one team this week. And you don't have that frustration where, like, if your guy gets injured, you're screwed week to week. But prize picks does something a little different. You not only draft a daily team, so you draft like two to five players, you decide what category you want them to compete in. So you'll draft your, your team and you'll say, okay, this receiver I think is going to go over or under however many catches they've set his line at. And you do that for your whole team. You pay your entry fee and you can win a huge multiple of your entry fee if your team all performs. So it's a lot of fun. It's in the app store. Go to prize picks, make sure you download it, use it. It's just, it's a cool thing to have on the side while you're watching football. And you know, it's not a cool thing to have on the side while you're watching football. That lingering feeling, knowing your car's broken down. No one wants to walk outside get in their car and be like, oh, won't start again. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Can you, oh, it didn't start this time either. Maybe third time's a charm. That feeling sucks. Come on, fix it. You guys got YouTube. You're smart. You got wrenches. You got things like that. Go grab them. Go outside and try to fix it. Oh, you don't have the part. Oh, well, that part's easy. Go to rockauto.com. It's reliable. It's fast. The prices are great, but more importantly, it's so easy to navigate. Once you figure out what's wrong, you will find the part in no time. They've got a massive selection. They'll send it right to you. So rockauto.com, take care of your car. Tell them Locked On sent you. Thank me later. So now let's talk about the good because there was some good in this game. There really was. I know the outcome sucked, but there was, there was good. So I'm going to start with blocking. We had four offensive linemen. Robert Scott, Darius Washington, DLT, and Dylan Gibbons, all of whom are listed on the starting depth chart for Wake, grayed out an 80 or better on pro football focus for pass blocking. Now, last week we said, hey, we're great at run blocking. We're not so great at pass blocking. 
for whatever reason that flipped this week. So I, I need to see it all come together and like, you know, maybe be good at all kinds of blocking during the game, but having four guys above a score of 80 in pass blocking, that's great. And Jay Sean Corbin was number five. He also scored above 80 in pass blocking. And that's good to know that you can bring a guy in for a heavy protection type set. Next guy below him, Trayshawn Ward. Now, again, that makes you wonder, why aren't these guys on the field more? But that's not why we're here, Max. We're here for the good segment. We're doing the good. So let's talk about our receivers. While there were some not as great moments, Wyatt Rector, two of two. Both balls thrown to him. He caught 13 yards and a touchdown. I think Malik McLean showed a lot of flash, showed a lot of promise. I mean, the way he went up for that catch that wasn't a catch, and I'll admit that even as a fan, like I wanted it to be, but my boy Parker's right. It wasn't a catch, but it was damn close. I love the effort he put in on that fade route. That was phenomenal. Darian Williamson, like I said, three of three for 32 yards. It's 10.7 yards of reception. That's the great kind of thing we need to see. So I think for a receiving core where there were a lot of questions, we are starting to get some answers. Now, unfortunately, we're getting some answers the other way too. But again, we're staying positive here. And finally, the running backs. I mean, gosh, there is just so much positive there. I mean, you look at Jay Sean Corbin, 15 attempts, 7.3 yards of carry. He's an animal. Feed him more. Him and Trayshawn Ward are such a great one-two combo in the backfield. And if we can figure out a way to use that and Jordan Travis back there as a runner, this could be a damn good football team. Maybe not a good football team. It could be a better than losing to Jacksonville State football team. How about that? And actually, finally, I know I said finally, but this time it's finally. I want to talk about one thing with our defense, and that was our linebackers didn't do horribly in coverage. They could have done a lot better. Well, they didn't do terribly. Amari Gaynor and Steven Dix were two of our better coverage guys on the night. And Steven Dix Jr. only saw 13 snaps, but he played pretty well. Now, I know I'm doing the good, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say I'm a little concerned about not having Kalen DeLoach for the first half of next week. If we look at the depth chart, which we'll look forward to in just a moment, his backup is listed as Cortez Andrews. So I don't know if they're going to have Dix and Lundy both out there. If Cortez Andrews is starting the first half, that is, that's really wor- worrisome. Finally, the defensive line is who we knew they were. They did a phenomenal job. They are good at resetting the line of scrimmage up front. They don't get bullied around. And I believe they had six sacks on the night, something like that. Yeah, they had six sacks on the night, which means I think they might have already, after two games, beaten last year's entire sack total. I'm confident about those guys, and I want to see them do more. So let's look ahead to next week's depth chart. But before we do that, I got to give you our betonline.ag line of the day. Folks, last week wasn't the best week for anybody. Lots of upsets, lots of weird wonky things going on or near upsets that resulted in not covering. So this week, I'm going to take another swing. I'm going to give you my betonline.ag line of the day over in the state of West Virginia. We got West Virginia minus three against Virginia Tech. I don't know, man. North Carolina looked pretty good last weekend which means Virginia Tech, even though they did have the opportunity to lose that game about three dozen times, might be the real deal. Maybe they're good this year. Maybe we'll see a resurgent Virginia Tech team. Regardless, I never really think West Virginia's really much anything. I mean, they're okay. Sometimes they have a decent offense. I don't know. I'm more of a believer in Virginia Tech than I am in West Virginia. So give me the plus three on the road. I think that that's a nice little field goal coverage thing. 
maybe by the half point if you're feeling crazy. But that is your betonline.ag line of the day. Go to betonline.ag, use promo code locked on, and you'll get a welcome bonus when you sign up. Go hit it. Thank me later. We'll see you. So finally, I want to look ahead to next week's depth chart. And the big news here is the ore has been removed. No, I don't mean like we were in a boat and someone removed the paddle. I mean the ore at the QB slot, McKenzie Milton or Jordan Travis, is gone. McKenzie Milton is now listed as your primary starter. I don't know, man. I I don't want to spend too much more time on this because we've already talked about the quarterback battle to death. But I don't know if I really understand giving a guy the start after a pretty average game against an FCS team in which we ended up losing over a guy who, yeah, also didn't have the best game, but it was against Notre Dame. And I know KZ came in, he's billed as the hero, but it's not like we were down by 40 before he came in. Jordan Travis did nothing, right? Jordan Travis threw three picks. You're right. Shouldn't have done that. You can't have three interceptions, but two of them were to an all-American safety, a guy that's going to play a lot of football on a lot of Sundays. KZ threw a pick against Jacksonville State. His completion percentage wasn't all that high. I'm not necessarily saying I think Travis should be the starter, but I don't think it's fair to not give Travis a game where he gets to throw the ball 31 times if that's the game plan we're going to go with. And if it's not the game plan we're going to go with, if we're going to say, okay, KZ's our thrower, Travis is our runner, Well, we just saw that throwing it doesn't work. You just lost to an FCS team while scoring 17 points, trying to make throwing the marquee part of your offense. So why would you watch that performance and either go, okay, KZ is definitely our starter, but we're going to do more running with a guy that really can't run much or go, you know what? Run it. Throwing is definitely going to be the center point, the focus, That's our offense. That's what we're going to do. I don't get it. I didn't expect to see a Jordan Travis solo start, but I would have thought you'd still have an or. And frankly, I was hoping they would run Jordan a lot more against Wake. And look, see if he can't make some backyard football type crap happen out there and maybe take us to a win. But hey, it's not what they want to do. You got Jay Sean still where he is, toe Philly at the tailback with Treshawn Ward backing Jay Sean up. Ja'Kai Douglas's name is on the depth chart, although we haven't really seen him much. I think last game he was pretty much all but absent. But where I really am perplexed is looking at these wide receivers and looking at who they have listed as starters. Those three are Keyshawn Helton, Ontario, Ontario Wilson, and Andrew Parchment. Parchment and Helton were two of your worst receivers last week, and Ontario Wilson didn't even play. Meanwhile, you got Darian Williamson, who was three for three, one of your better receivers under Keyshawn Helton, who... By the way, I, I'm really trying not to beat up on Keyshawn because he is who he is, but we're also in the business of winning football games. It's what we want to see. That drop at the beginning of the game, to me, was just as detrimental as the one against the Louisville game or the one in the Louisville game last year where we were kind of trading blows with them, and then when we needed to convert on a third and 15 right off his hands, there is no excuse to drop that football. Fourth down, you grab that, you walk into the end zone, and maybe it's a totally different ball game because football is such a weird momentum swingy sport, and you're not in a dogfight with Jacksonville State that you end up losing. Then you got Ontario Wilson. He didn't even play last week. Below him, you got Andrew Parchment, who I'm just going to say it. My co-hosts can correct me if they disagree. I think you swung and you missed on Andrew Parchment. Probably a decent guy, probably a good kid, 
I, I don't really think he's going to be a great receiver. I think there's a reason that he's a redshirt freshman playing for his third or fourth school. I, I think it's his fourth school if you count Juco. I don't think he runs routes well. I think he's one of those guys where in a scramble drill, you'll see him find pockets. He's good at getting to those. His hands are decent, but I don't think he runs aggressively enough. I don't think he invites contact. I don't think he's going to fight for inside leverage to get open. I just think there's a lot of things wrong there. And I think what we need to do is treat it like we did with linebacker last year. If your receiving core is already not going to be great, well, then don't give burn to a redshirt junior and a redshirt senior who aren't going to develop much past now. Go to your younger guys. You got Malik McLean, who's showing a lot of promise as a true freshman. You got Kendron Portier, who has the physical tools and definitely needs some work, but could develop as a redshirt freshman. You got Josh Burrell, true freshman physical tools. You got Darian Williamson, who is already showing promise, redshirt freshman. Just go to the young guys at receiver. Because if we're going to be bad anyway, let's at least develop some guys that a year, two, or even with these folks, three years down the road can help us when we get a great quarterback in. That's all I'm going to say about that. Looking over to the defense, everything looks about normal. The only thing I don't love here is, again, Cortez Andrews backing up Kalen Deloach. But I don't know if that means what I think it means. Like I said, Kalen Deloach hit with targeting in the second half of that game, which means he's suspended for the first half of Wake Forest. Again, most ridiculous penalty ever. If Cortez Andrews is his backup at linebacker, I'm worried there. I don't know why you wouldn't bring Jadarius Green McKnight out or Steven Dix or someone like that. But hey, I'm not coaching. What do I know? So that's just that that's looking ahead kind of where I'm concerned. One thing I really like is I like the offensive line over here. We've got Robert Scott at left tackle, Dylan Gibbons at left guard, Murray Smith or baby on Johnson, hopefully Murray Smith at center DLT at right guard and Darius Washington at right tackle. We're finally seeing some consistency there. Now they had a great run blocking week in week one, great pass blocking week in week two. We got to see the two come together but I legitimately feel like this unit's developed and that part's been pretty exciting to see. So there you have it. That's the good, the bad, the ugly, and what's look forward to next week. Folks, make sure you stop by all week tomorrow. You're going to have Drake. I'm hoping Dave will be able to pop by with him. After that, we're going to do our know your foe with Cam's lemons to bro. He covers wake forest. He'll give you all the goods for that. So with that, I'm Max. You're you. There's no one else to say, cause it's just me riding solo. And this was Locked On Seminars.